Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts and Brian Christofferson, who is doing the show from his basement for the first time. Brian, how does that feel? <laughs> yeah, not blogging from my basement, but potting from my basement. So, yeah. Is yeah. that an important distinction that you feel like needs to be made? No, I've been uh, I've been sort of blogging from my basement, too. Uh, for a long time so that's not a shot at anybody i mean that's that's how i've lived my life for the last 10 to 15 years so what was what was the line from bo polini was it biff the blogger yeah biff the blogger um yeah it's right that was right up there with it's not it's not uh yards it's points ma'am uh one of the one of the famous bo polini quotes all right let's talk about yards and points and uh how there wasn't that many of either of them in nebraska's spring game on saturday uh michael bruns where do you want to start what give me just give me an impression something you thought during after before way after whatever about nebraska's 2023 spring game uh the the young defensive talent's kind of fun that was uh that was a big one i i was on the field or on the sidelines taking photos and like you don't really get a good sense of like what's going on at the time but I went back and watched it and that was, it was confirmed that, you know, during the game, I was like, man, the Princewell and, and, you know, uh, Cam Linhart and Kai Wallen, these guys are all over the place. Yeah. And uh, that, that was con- confirmed. That's a good sign for this defense. I think. Yeah. I, um, I think that fans have every reason to be excited about like the 2023 defensive line group or edge group or whatever they're supposed to be called. You have Maverick Noonan and Prince Will and Cam Lenhart making plays early, Kai Wallen. And then, you know, Vincent Carroll Jackson and Riley Van Poppel were down there on the on the sidelines. And there's, I think, you know, reason uh, to be excited about that group. All right, BC, what, give me an impression that has nothing to do with the young defenders. Okay. Well, this is in the category of if your mom tells you something, go get another source still. And I think everybody kind of knew with the quarterbacks, like, okay, it's, you know, Jeff Sims has to be probably separated from the rest of this crew, right? And if there's anybody who can get him, it's the guy who's not practicing, Casey Thompson. There was the there was your confirmation with our own eyes that, uh, you know, Sims is, is just above those guys. I mean, it, the passing game was way crisper when he was in there. Um, I think the other guys were, oh, what were they, 17 of 41 or something like that, throwing the ball. And Sims with 9 of 13, I would count two drops among those four incompletions he had. I thought he looked pretty sharp. And, uh, you know, as Rule said in the post game, he's uh, he's a passer who happens to have great, he said 4-4 speed, whatever it's clocked at. He's, he said that's what he is. He's not just a runner who can also throw it. So, um, I thought it was a good uh, debut in front of the Husker public for Jeff Sims. Yeah, I think going along with Jeff Sims, Billy Kemp is going to be pretty helpful for Nebraska's wide receiver core. I mean, he only had two catches, but there's something about what he kind of showed on those two catches. I think it's going to be a different kind of helpful than Samari Toure and, and Trey Palmer were. Uh, for Nebraska, those guys had real big play potential, could flip the field. I wouldn't be surprised if Billy Kemp could just pile up a bunch of receptions i mean working underneath defenses and then he's quick too like this isn't a guy that you know is going to catch it and immediately go down he has the ability to to make something happen after the play too or not after the play but after the catch and so i uh i came away impressed by him i'm still worried about nebraska's pass catchers overall um and what feels like the lack thereof of them 
But I think that Billy Kemp has made me at least feel like they've got uh, a top option. And then you throw in Marcus Washington right there. And that's a pretty solid one, too. I I am less concerned about the, the top of the wide receiver room than I am now about just sort of the depth and, and whatever else they can offer in this uh, in this passing attack. So that's uh, one of the takeaways I had. Um, let's just uh, let's kind of get into direct things. Michael Brunts. I know that it if if being down on the sidelines because I, I totally get that because there's times I walk away from a high school football game and I don't really know what I watch. But um, what do you think of Nebraska's offensive line? You probably got a better view of it in the second half when you're up in the press box. But what what kind of if anything stood out with Nebraska's offensive line? Yeah, it's that that group. I think more than most is hard to get a handle on um, just because you, you didn't have Teddy in there. Turner Corcoran. Uh, went out, I think, in the second quarter. Um, are, are we at the point where we have enough evidence that Turner Corcoran really shouldn't play left tackle unless an emergency situation only? Well, I mean, he wouldn't be there if, Te- if Teddy were healthy. So Right. But uh, the fact yeah. that Teddy's played four games in two seasons doesn't exactly give us the, the confidence that he's going to be available for every game. Yeah. Well, the I think what I saw, I saw the, the top group – when it was close to kind of the group that you would expect was able to get some movement up front. I, I think that, that uh, I came away with that beyond that. I mean, the second group, I didn't get a great feel for what was kind of going on there. I don't, I don't know that they protected nearly as well The you know, the thing that you didn't have, which I was a little surprised by, maybe it's credit to the defense is you didn't have any, really big plays in the running game where it wasn't, you know, somebody you know, getting to the second level and, and just making somebody miss. I mean, and it was mainly the quarterbacks that were doing it. So I think, I think that group, you know, is, is probably trending in the right direction. I mean, it, it wasn't like last year where it was a total, you know, turnstile or turnstile turnstile um, for, for the quarterback. Um, for the pass rush. So I guess that's, that's a positive, but um, you know, I, I was watching Bryce Benhart closely and I, I think he had a pretty decent game for the most part. Um, what was it? 18 tackles for loss was the final number, Yeah. Um, which that's concerning, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think coming out of the spring, I think that group can probably feel okay about where things stand um, and, and knowing that you're going to look a little bit different too, once you get to the fall, once you, you hopefully are at full strength. BC, we got our first real glimpse of the three-three-five defense that Tony White uh, wants to run. We don't know that it's going to be exactly this or that personnel, but from a from a schematic standpoint, or just getting your own eyes on it for an extended period of time, what thoughts do you have on the three-three-five and and what it could be for Nebraska next fall? Yeah, first off, I thought if this were one of those scrimmages that was sort of behind closed doors. Um, and then the head coach comes out and talks about it. I think it would have been described as the defense winning the day, even though, you know, so if you put up the 125 plays, I mean, after the first quarter and a half, they really had it on lockdown. And I, I like the aggressive nature of it. We were told that's what it was going to be. And again, there was confirmation of that. I think for even a spring game, I'm sure they didn't take everything out of the cupboard, but I think you saw some variety in like what they were doing and how they probably challenged this offense throughout the spring with different fronts, stunts, whatever. 
that they were going to have to process mentally. And um, it's a creative defense. And it's I, I, I think they have to be pretty encouraged. But when the first couple of weeks of spring started, um, it sounded like, um, you know, the guys are it was like they're just trying to figure out who goes where, you know. But by the third or fourth week, you started to hear they're playing a little faster. And then you heard that they won that scrimmage the week before the spring game. And then I think they backed it up with a pretty solid performance. So I would have to say when you when you put what we've been told together, uh, Tony White has to be pretty pleased with where they got from from practice one to 15. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brunt, something or nothing, Timmy Bleak Road one for three on Saturday. Did he do you feel like he needed to make at least one of those other kicks? I mean, I, obviously, everything comes down to what's going to happen in the fall, but. Would it have helped him yeah. out a little bit if he had a better day? You would have liked to have probably seen a little bit more on the ledger from him, given that, you know, Tristan Alvano is still not there yet. I mean, I think I think you kind of know what you're getting with Bleak Road. I mean, I, I think anything beyond 45 yards is probably in question with him. Um, you know, the wind was a little bit rough on Saturday, but, I mean, I, I think – I think Tristan Alvano is going to come in with every opportunity to win that job. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I expect him to have a role in some form or fashion with special teams, whether it's handling kickoffs because he does have a huge leg uh, or, you know, the, the, the field goal piece of it too. I mean, when you have a full-time special teams coordinator like that, and you're dedicating so much time and effort to that group. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be very tolerant of, of guys missing field goals. And especially, you know, this feels like a team that, that's going to have to win some close games, that's going to have to win the fourth quarter, and you can't do that missing field goals. So, uh, you know, we, we don't know really what, you know, what, what his overall spring has looked like. But, I mean, even Ed Foley said this spring that they really weren't going to start tracking things heavily uh, until the fall. So, um I, I'm sure for Timmy Bleakroad, he, he would have liked to have knocked those through. So you go into the summer with a little bit of momentum and that kind of being the last thing on, on the coaching staff's mind. So that that's that's a concern. I, I think that's a what would you say, big deal? I think that's a big deal. They, they got to get that. Deal. They got to get that position right, and especially if you're dedicating two scholarships to kickers right now. We did receive some feedback. We didn't have enough big deals last week. Oh, yeah. Um, Coming through spring conversation. Well, it's we're cynical old men now, so nothing's a big deal. We did hear that with yeah. my eyes. Um, all right, BC, uh, the secondary. Any anything kind of stand out for you there? I know for me personally, I thought Gage Stinger uh, was a really kind of intriguing um, day for him. And then, of course, uh, this one was told to me, and I went back and watched some of it. Sincere Safuya had a, a pretty nice yeah. day as well. Uh, for for two guys getting out there, young guys. Anything else stand out in Nebraska secondary for you? Yeah, I would just add to that when the top, who we would presume sort of the top defense uh, was put out there, um, Corey Collier was on that group, you know, back in the safeties. Um, and so I think he's going to be right in that mix along with it looked like Omar Brown, you know, is, is playing that rover. Isaac Gifford had a nice day. Um, you know, Miles Farmer is obviously going to be a guy they're going to count on for snaps, but Collier was one of those, um, the transfer from Florida, the guy, guys I didn't know what to make of, like, where's he at in this thing? And then suddenly in the last week, you started to think, okay, 
better pay attention to him because he popped in for interviews and you know, I don't think they just put anybody up there for no right. reason. And then uh, you see him in his role on Saturday. It wasn't like he necessarily did anything that just jumped off the screen to me, but the fact that 14 previous practices led them to putting him in that spot, um, I thought was an important note. Brunt, we're going to give you this opportunity to say whatever you want to say about Nebraska's tight end based on what you saw Saturday. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's still going to be a solid group. I mean, I think Gilbert's two drops, you, you probably didn't want to see that um, just based on expectations for him coming in. I mean, I think they're high on what he can be ultimately. Um, you know, Fedoni had the nice catch on the short route. Uh, Borkcher got loose uh, in that first drive and made a nice catch. You know, I, I think I think the bigger takeaway for me is that you're going to see multiple tight ends in there. Um you know, at, at one time. I mean, I think they're going to mix and match personnel and I think they have the the group to do it. Um, you know, I, I, we've been talking a lot about Fedoni and Gilbert this spring and, and maybe not enough about Borkature. I mean, I, I think we kind of, mm. you kind of have an idea of what he can be, but I mean, if he can take a big step forward from what he was a year ago, I mean, I, I think that's, that's three solid tight ends right there in that group. Plus, you know, whatever they're going to do with Janarian Bonner, who, you know, we haven't even talked about him yet. Fullback Janarian Bonner. Yeah. Hybrid tight end. Like we need like, we need a, a better name for that. You, on defense, you got the Jack. We need something for that tight end. Whatever. H-T-E-F-B. Just make yeah. it a real long acronym across mm-hmm. the, the page. Yeah. So something there, but I, I think they've got enough guys on the roster to make that work. Yeah. Uh, Brian, last thing here, and we haven't really discussed it at all, even though it was a big part of Saturday. A lot of fumbles, a lot of issues with the center quarterback exchange. Uh, even just gripping the ball seemed to be a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, long-term <clears throat> issue, short-term thing, what would you make of all the fumbles on Saturday? I don't think you have to – is it Wednesday at 10 o'clock on the first Wednesday of the month in Lincoln when the sirens go off? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like I think it's like 10-10, right? Yeah. And the do- some dogs lose it around the neighborhood, including yep. maybe mine. Slider um, included. Yeah. we. Uh, I don't think we need to do that. But um, if some, it would be like more like if someone came door to door and like, I'd like you to consider this as a concern. And they gave you something as like a pamphlet like that. That's where we're at with it. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that you can't dismiss, not only because it happened this scrimmage, but in the Saturday before it sounded like it was an issue from what rule told us um, that said there were, I think Piper brought this up um, in the story you had Schaefer. There were a lot of moving parts and that yeah. contributes to it. And um, you have a young center at one of the spots, you know, and, and who had a good spring, but Justin Evan Jenkins. And so you got he's snapping to different guys. And um, but yeah, it, that that kind of was the uh, the the clean up in aisle five part of the scrimmage that was a little disappointing I, in the punch bowl. Yeah, you could tell. And rule was legitimately disappointed. He said if it weren't a public deal, that's where you throw the headset, you know, and um, but it was so he kept it. Did, did you guys did, like it seemed like there was just like four possessions where it got super, super bad and then it kind of got yeah. OK. Is that fair? A fair. Well, you had it? fumble, fumble, fumble. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that speaks to what you're talking about. The thing that was startling to me 
is how many times it felt like Jeff Sims would come out from the center and not have like the ball. He'd have to re-grip it to get it mm-hmm. to how he wanted it. Like it just, there's something with that exchange that just did, was not working um, in the way that I think they wanted. And I don't know what it was because that's obviously, you know, Ben Scott, Jeff Sims, they've probably been working together this whole spring. And it could have just been a bad day. I don't want to make too much of it, but it, it felt very noticeable to me. Can I also say it's just weird to see a quarterback under center? Like, how do you feel about huddles? <laughs> I mean, that that in itself was weird, but it was like, you know, you're, you're kind of like, okay, where, where's the quarterback here? And it's like, oh, he, he's right, he's tucked right there behind the center. This is this is, is new again. Is it weird that I didn't even notice it? Like, it didn't even phase me. I didn't think about it at all. I don't know. Maybe maybe your brain just was able to acclimate to football from 1998. Well, I do watch the Minnesota Vikings, so that's true. You know, you, I got that going for me. Do you think we're Sometimes. was Saturday um just the further proof that we need to maybe this is just me change the mindset when it comes to like first year players, first year freshmen. I've always considered certain positions lately with Husker football, like they get here and it's like we'll see in a couple of years, you know, yep. like um yeah, we'll see what you're going to be doing stuff out of our view and I'll get back to you in a year or two and we'll see if you're in the depth chart conversation. And it just seems like it truly is going to be different with this staff. I'm not saying that as a pro or con of past staffs, but it's just different now when you see Cam Lenhart and I know it's just a scrimmage and some guys are out, but him and Princewell out there with the top unit. I know Janiron Bonner's not a first-year guy, but a you know redshirt Feels like it. Same with Gage Stanger. Guys you like didn't that. play, and and you're like they might matter. You know, you know, Lenhart and Princewell are going to matter. That's not even a question. It's a matter of if they're going to one of or two of them are going to start at Minnesota on August 31st at this point. But that's a completely um, change up, I think, from what it's been, and and kind of exciting too because I think those young guys who are standing on the sideline had to be looking at cam and Princewell and thinking nice like this that it's true like i can legitimately have a shot like those wide receivers rule mentioned in a press conference we might need a couple of those guys to flash for us and um as you mentioned schaefer they might <laughs> at that position um so that that's got to be exciting I, for new guys i want to throw this like total crackpot theory at you based on kind of what bc was saying there and feel free to just completely stomp it down and throw me out of the room or whatever. It could it just be as simple as Matt Rule has a lot of experience of letting young guys play earlier that he he sort of knows how to get them in this position more than the previous staff did. Because I, I feel like there might be something to that. Because when he went to Baylor, you know, he knew they weren't going to be very good that first year. He mm-hmm. got those guys in and he let them take lumps and they didn't have a ton of team success but it definitely set them up for year three and four when they played in the big 10 or big 12 championship game. And then it won the big 12 title. Um, I, he did, he talked about it before that he did it at temple too. Like he's, he's more open. It feels to playing younger players than what Scott Frost was or Mike Riley or Bo Pelini. Like that, I think he's more accepting of it. And when you have that culture, maybe it makes it easier for guys like Prince Will or Cam Lenhart or whomever to step in and, and have that kind of, uh, you know, impact right away. I Am I like completely over my skis on this one? No, I, I think you're, I think, I think the staff is more willing to keep the door open for guys to see if they can help. 
I mean, I think that's that's a fair statement for sure. I think, and I I think I feel like we discussed this in, in regards to Ernest Hausman last year, where like in the transfer portal era, if a guy is like close to being able to help you, I feel like it's, you gotta it's more advantageous to let him help you or try to help you than just saying, okay, we're going over here. You might play four games and keep the red shirt. Like, I, I think that's, I, I think Matt Rule's staff, and he said this, I, I think they're much more willing to let things play out longer and evaluate guys and give them a fair evaluation than putting them in a box and saying, okay, you're going to redshirt, you're not. I, I think, you know, maybe the offensive line and maybe some defensive line positions just because of size would be the only spots where they would say, you know, you're, you're going to need some time. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think if a guy like Princewell can go in there and, and give you 20 snaps a game, you absolutely let him do it. If, you know, Cam, Cam Linhart, I mean, he, he's been at IMG Academy. He's a little bit of a different, a different thing, but. He's I a think future think, captain. I'm telling you, he is a, that yeah. guy just listening to him talk, just really impressive. He's kind of got like the wispy mustache too. He looks like he's like 24. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I, I think in college football now, I think if, if guys can help you, I think, I think you try to get them on the field in some way or some, some fashion, especially on this defense with them wanting to play as many guys as they say they want to. If a guy's borderline, I think I think you put him in that pile that can that can help you, and you get him on the field. Yeah. All right, um, BC. You got anything you want to add before we go? No, no, um, that covered it. Um, so Bruns did it well. Andrew, right, you did it well too. That's that's fine. We can we can give Bruns the accolades. I'm just here to you know get the the passes out. I'm I'm the point guard of this podcast. You guys do the scoring. That that works for everybody here. All right, let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to dive into some recruiting. Nebraska picked up three commitments since the last time we did a podcast, uh, or we didn't talk about Caden Vermas maybe before the, the spring game podcast. Either way, there's several commitments to talk about. Big visit weekend. Uh, there's stuff that uh, I already have that I, I want to ask uh, BC about Kamar Mathudi, if he noticed all the young guys playing, if that matters. Uh, things like that. So we will dive into that when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, recruiting time. Nebraska picked up several commitments. We'll start with Ian Flint, and we'll start with Michael Brunts, who loves the tight end. What is Nebraska getting uh, with, with Ian Flint here, and what is this recruitment? I mean, it's it's sort of been expected because this was a guy that both of you thought was going to be the first commitment in the class. He ended up being the fifth. Um, what, what do we, what do we think about Ian Flint and why potentially now for the tight end out of Katy, Texas? Yeah. I mean, first off, he's, he's a big body tight end. I mean, like when, when you see him play, like Eric Gilbert, big body, uh, (laughs) maybe after a year in in the strength program, um, (laughs) that feels like an extreme example. Yeah. No, big body. 
Yeah, uh, not quite as tall, but I, I, I mean, he's going to be, you know, a 250 pound, like what you would imagine, like, you know, a, a dark, he, you can picture, very easily picture him playing in the Big Ten on like a dark, dreary, cloudy day in like in West Champagne. Lafayette. Okay. So I, I, that's what you're getting. You're going to got an athletic kid for that size. Um, you, you mentioned kind of his recruitment. He was offered um, back in December and, you know, visited a couple times. His, his parents were both uh, throwers at Nebraska. His sister just transferred to Nebraska. That was actually one of his visits that he made was to move her. Um, she was at Cal um, to, to move her to Lincoln. So, uh, he wasn't at the spring game. I think he really liked what he saw, the way that Nebraska was using the tight ends in that game. Um, and and I, I think that kind of, you know, was was the last push to get him to jump in. And, you know, we, we've talked about it on this podcast that, you know, tight end is a spot that I think Nebraska can really, you know, put together some solid recruiting at. And, you know, you still have Carter Nelson out there uh, as a top target, but uh, Ian Flint is, is a little bit different tight end, a little bit bigger body, a guy that, you know, you, you can put in there with those two tight end sets and really kind of wreak havoc, wreak havoc with in the, in the run game. Eric Ingerson as well, the pit commit uh, from Papio was at the game, another tight end, someone to keep an eye on. BC, Willis McGahee, the fourth, commits to Nebraska uh, he was so excited about committing to Nebraska. Apparently he wanted to do it at five in the morning. Uh, and they, they talked him down into, to, to committing later in the morning at a more normal time. Uh, but he was that fired up about it. You spoke with Willis McGahee, uh, the fourth, what, what is Nebraska getting here? And you know, how big of a win is this for the Huskers? <clears throat> They're getting a Jack. Um, he loves the Jack position that they have in Tony White's defense. He thinks he's perfect for it because um, he believes he's a versatile player. He, he is on his high school film. Um, obviously, he's got great genes. Um, I think what they're also getting is, you know, another connection in that Miami area where this staff, uh, they're going to have some success there. I mean, you've got guys like Evan Cooper is from there. Uh, Phil Simpson, who's on the staff, you know, knows that area inside and out. And so they've got cred um, in that area. And um, I expect more and more guys from there um, that are going to end up here. But it seems like he knew he visited here on, I believe, it was March 20th for a practice. And I think he knew then he just like it, it just felt. Um, like he loved the way this staff communicated with players and with each, with each other. He said it just, there, it felt like they were connected and he wanted to be a part of it. He fits into the defense. So, you know, why wait? And so he didn't wait. All right. Brunts, Caden Vermos committed last week. First commitment for the 2025 class. This is a guy that, uh, probably doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about the, the in-state talent, but he can absolutely fly. Uh, back there as a safety. What do we know about Caden Vermas and and what do you think of this commitment overall? Yeah, I I was surprised that it was as early as it was. I I think he would have been, you know, I, when he was offered, I probably would have put in a crystal ball if he weren't a twenty five recruit. I mean, he he's a, from a family that you know of Nebraska season ticket holders. It's been his dream school for a long time. Um, I think he's actually a really, really good fit for a 3-3-5. They see him as kind of a safety rover type. 
uh, defensive back. And it was funny. I mean, he, he took other visits, uh, went to Iowa State, went to Northwestern. I think that, that Northwestern trip, I think, was kind of clarifying for him that maybe he didn't want to go as far away from home as maybe, um, you know, what some of his offers were going to be. So uh, basically said to Nebraska, hey, I need to meet with you guys. Uh, went down there on, on Thursday at noon um, and, and committed in person um, to, to Matt Rule uh, and some of the assistant coaches. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, he's the type of talent that, you know, Nebraska looks at and says, okay, we, we can win with guys in this region and we can find guys that fit what we do. And, you know, I think getting him in early on, um, that, that that's a good start for that class. And I think w- when you kind of look at where Nebraska's at with their recruiting, you know, calendar, so to speak, they're probably still a little bit behind on 24. I think 25 is where you can really start to see some of the results of the work that they're doing. And I, I think, you know, getting Vermont before you had the, the spring evaluation period where I think you probably would have gotten a few more offers, um, you know, that, that, that's a big one. And, and he's all in. I mean, he was, uh, you know, walking around on the sidelines before the spring game, talking to recruits. And um, so that, that's a, uh, that's a big one. And, and I think believe he's the first Millard North Nebraska scholarship recruits since Sean Fisher in, in uh, what, 2008. So it's been, right. a, it's been a while. It's a big story for the hoofbeat. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're all over that. If mm-hmm. I, if I had my druthers, they're uh They've got that covered wall to wall. Millard North has produced far more journalists in that time than they have uh, FBS scholarship <laughs> players, apparently. So, um, BC, you talked with Kamar Mathudi. I mentioned, uh, you know, what what stood out with him. This is a guy I know is high on Nebraska's board. Yep. I'm curious if he is high on Nebraska based on that visit. Seems so. Um, but – this is why I feel really good about saying that too, because he was candid in saying he didn't really want to come here, like on the visit. But, I mean, to start, like he, like Tony White convinced him, um, you know, that you, you should take a look at this. But he he basically said, I, "I was expecting to not be excited about it." That was his quote. And uh, he was excited about it, and so much so that he told me that he plans to come back um, in September, you know, for an o- official visit. Uh, so that that's that's pretty good. Now, the thing that stuck out to me was he was watching Tony White and the defense closely, and he said those guys really play for him already. Like they rally around him, and just the way they interact and stuff. It, he made a point of like that tells him a lot about sort of the player coach relationship that's built in a short amount of time. And he said that doesn't happen a lot in year one. He's a very astute uh, guy and uh, would be a great addition, I think. Cause you, you know how some guys, when you do these interviews where you talk to him, you're just like, man, that guy's sharp. Yeah. He, he, he's that way. Like, you know, one of those guys, I, I don't get behind the walls much with how stuff happens, but he's one of those guys who says, I'm going to call you at 1230 and he calls you right at 1230, like on the dot, you know, like that's, that, that's the type of recruit we're talking about here. Yeah. I think he would be, um, like I said, I, 
I know that he's very high on Nebraska's board. And so I think that was a really important visit. And the fact that he was sort of candid about it also speaks to, you know, Tony White was able to get him to at least come check it out. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a bigger part of the battle than maybe people might realize, especially when we're talking an unofficial visit. I talked with a couple guys from Omaha, Christian Jones, uh, you know, is a really intriguing kid for the 2025 class at 24 seven sports. We just moved him. Uh, up a couple rating spots. He did move down in the overall rankings, but he's still in the top 70 uh, in the country for 2025. He's going out to Oregon this weekend, but he's leaving after a really strong Nebraska visit. Someone else that feels very strongly about what Tony White is doing uh, with Nebraska's defense and love to see some of the young guys that were able to play right away. He really liked the energy and the effort that's coming out of the 3-3-5. And he's someone that feels like he can play, you know, any of those linebacker spots, the so Mike, the Will, the Jack. But he also said that they have this sort of rover's safety position that comes down into the box, and he feels like he could play that too because he also could cover if they needed someone covering a tight end. And as a you know bigger six foot three, he's two hundred and five, two hundred ten pounds right now. He wants to get a little bit bigger going into his junior year. Uh, Christian Jones could be a really interesting athlete in that three three five defense. So there's going to be a lot of competition, I suspect, for him. Oregon, I think, will be uh, certainly an interesting team with, with Devin Jackson and Avante Dickerson out there uh, from the Omaha area. He knows those guys well, but I think they they did really well for him. And then another guy, uh, Caleb Pyfram, had a really good visit again. And he just, where things are for him in this recruitment with Nebraska versus where they were probably late November, early December, when he just kind of was sort of disinterested in Nebraska football and you know, Matt Rule got hired and he didn't really know what that meant for him. And he's been in a really good spot, I think, with his staff. He really likes Matt Rule. He likes the way that they play up front. He likes uh, the relationship he's building with Donovan Rayola. Keith Williams, who I know Brunts has talked to, uh, is actually a really big part of this recruitment, um, which is sort of interesting. They're getting him really involved. You know, we've, we've said this multiple times on the show. Nebraska's maybe ace recruiter right now is Omar Hales. And it also feels like they're getting, uh, you know, a good effort from Keith Williams with Caleb Pyfram. So he is certainly someone to keep an eye on. Penn State might be the closest competition for Nebraska here. Something about the Nittany Lions. They've really kind of got their hooks in on a couple kids in the Omaha Metro. We'll see if that lasts. Uh, but he's looking at taking official visits to Nebraska, Iowa, and Penn State. I think that's kind of his top group. And I would say that it's probably Nebraska, Penn State, neck and neck right now as, as the top team. So I think they're in a good spot with Caleb Pyfram. He wants to play tackle. I think Nebraska is okay with starting him at right tackle. And if it doesn't work there, he's more than happy to move in at guard. But he wants to have at least the opportunity to prove that he can play tackle at the college level. So uh, that's kind of what I have from, from the weekend. I know there's a lot more visitors and we're looking to catch up with them. There's a lot of 2023s. In town, what do you guys make of the uh, the halftime? No, no uh, drug pledge this time, but they had all the 2023s out there introduce themselves during halftime, and so, uh, or at least everybody that was able to make it out. And I don't know if they had the entire class, but I would say they had probably 85 to 90 percent of the people there. I mean, that was really impressive. Yeah, I think the only guy that I didn't recognize being there was Sue Lafotu. That was the only name that I knew was not there off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, no, I it uh. The drug-free pledge is dead, and they did it a couple. Of, they did it a couple of years ago, where they had the. I think last year they had they had the incoming class out there introduced. Oh, right. Okay. I I so didn't like, know that was a thing they were doing. Yeah, they I th- they did it. 
they, they got the whole class out there, I'm pretty sure. And I guess they got tired of kids just running around during halftime playing catch while everybody did the drug-free pledge. So uh, We all well, know a, a media member that once was out there as a youngster and just dropped his pizza and left it on the field for the start of the second half at midfield. So if he's listening to this podcast, he'll identify himself. That's very specific. Um, yeah. Well, then he had Frank get honored. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, got Frank on the mic, and uh, they're going to name the locker room after him. But I, I guess we haven't even talked about what did you guys make of the whole thing with the whole weekend? I thought it was pretty cool, actually. I know, I know, Schaefer, you were a little iffy on why it needed to be done, but I yeah, think- I mean, I'm not. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I don't think he got a raw deal. I think it was okay that they moved on from him. I think it was entirely his choice that he didn't want to come back to Nebraska. But at the same time, I think it's glad I'm glad they mended the fences there if that's what needed to be done. And you know, it was a it was a cool experience for him. I thought the 45 yard line was a nice touch, more so than maybe random people on Instagram, as Brunts pointed out to us on Saturday morning. They were- uh, and I I thought the Janiron Bonner first play carry and Bonner kind of talking about it and just being like, yeah, I got told the day before that this was going to happen. And he thought it was pretty cool. I thought that was neat. Like, I, I like that. Like, that's a good use of the spring game right there. Um, you know, everything else, like I, we don't need to relitigate 2003. Again, I think Frank Solich had a fine tenure here. They won one conference title. Great. We don't have to act like, you know, this was a complete disservice. That's just my opinion on it. Got it. It, it was it was good to hear from him on Friday. I thought he was really reflective on on why he hadn't come back, and you know, kind of the realization that you know he needed to and to, and to kind of move on from it. I thought that was nice. You know, you had the stuff with the old players coming in to to see him. I mean, it's it's very obvious that he means a lot to a lot of former players, and I guess I was a little bit surprised by that, like the the uh, reaction and, and the the strong feelings by a lot of former players and not even, not even guys that were running backs. Um, so, it, and, you know, we're on the team when he was just coaching running backs. So mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you got a new Herbie, you got, um, you know, Frank Solich addressing the curse directly uh, that there is no curse. And, um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just what, uh, that's the balm that Nebraska football needed for the weekend. He handled that question pretty well. I thought he knew it was coming. Yeah. Did he? I, yeah. When, I, when it was asked and like, it was one of those in the room where you're like, Ooh, okay. What's going to happen here? And yeah, he, he handled it well. I, I thought the Frank stuff was, was cool. Um, I think, Real quick, with Solich, the thing everybody always dwells on, like the six-year head coaching part, I think the thing that makes Frank so significant is just how many hats he wore. Like, I even when we were doing that recruiting series, um, you know, on the various states, and we're doing New Jersey, and you're realizing, like, man, Frank was, like, huge in, like, <laughs> the big dogs out of New Jersey, like Irving Fryer, Rogier, all those guys. Like, he was central in getting. And there was a lot of, like, guys like that over that time that built those championship teams. And then when you take in that, he coached the freshman team and then he was at Lincoln Southeast for 10 years and Omaha, Holy name. It's sort of like this Nebraska. It's more about coaching in the Nebraska area as a football guy. I think for 40 some years, that probably, uh, that probably is why people feel the way they do. All right. Anything else you guys want to get to before we close up shop here today? 
Uh, well, we'll probably end up talking portal on Thursday because it uh, portal and draft might get a little hot and heavy with the portal in the next couple days. So look out for that. This one's can called you, hot and heavy. Yeah. Can anyone can anyone get hot That's and heavy good. after half of Colorado's roster entered the portal? Well, they don't have any returning scholarship wide receivers, which is kind of remarkable. Like that's they're basically going to have spring ball again in fall camp. I'm not I'm not picking games here of what's going to happen on September 9th or anything, but that's an interesting thing they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, that that's like, hey, let's let's do spring over again with a completely different roster on in August. That's that's a challenge that's in front of them. All right, BC, save those thoughts. We're going to right, dive right. into All that right, next Thursday. Let, right. them, let them marinate a little bit, maybe add to them. And okay, we'll, we'll come back to you on this on Thursday. Uh, for Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunts, I'm Mike Schaefer. We're Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out everything we got going on at Husker247.com. Plenty more recruiting coverage from the weekend coming. Plenty of recruiting coverage in general because you guys might have forgot this. I sometimes forget this. The coaches can be on the road out recruiting. Evaluation period has already started. I think that they will be getting out of Lincoln here soon. Uh, we're going to be hearing about them out on the road very soon. Uh, all of that will be coming big month up ahead for Nebraska recruiting in terms of just getting out uh, and seeing 24s, 25s, 26s, getting into different areas. I suspect there will be a lot of coaches in Texas. I suspect Tony White will be out in California. Nebraska will have coaches up in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Florida, and everywhere else. And we'll have all of that coverage for you at Husker247.com. We'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. We'll catch you next time.